0: Hello, and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interonte, and today we are joined by Lindsay Weber and Bobby Finger, hosts of the Who Weekly podcast, one of our favorite shows over here. Uh, Lindsay, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Very exciting. Um, Catherine, my, my co-producer, and I have been longtime hooligans, fans of the pod. <laughs> and this is actually also the first episode we are doing on our podcast with two guests. So, you know, it's a little experimental for us. Ooh, and we'll, we'll see. Could get unwieldy. A little chaotic. A little chaotic. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing I was thinking about is... This show is, like, about musical taste and why we love the music that we love, and so much of the conversations that we have are about, like, someone's personal journey through discovering music and their taste and how their taste informs their identity, all this sort of stuff. But one thing we don't get to talk about is like shared musical tastes and how musical tastes can be something that you bond over with friends and go to concerts together. And so the two of you obviously have been friends for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'd love to know, are there sort of artists or albums that bonded you guys early on in your relationship? How, you know, ha. how, how has, <laughs> what, what role has music played in your lives?
1: I would say a significant Role. I mean, I think like
0: yeah, a significant role.
1: Conversation around like pop stars, like you know Rita Ora aside, is really like the origin story of like our friendship and also just like the most fun thing to always talk about, right? I mean, I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm trying to think of an early album that brought us an together. early
2: album was definitely Katy Perry, Complete Confection, and no, Frank Orange Prism. Orange.
1: Prism, I think, would be the one but that
2: remember we were very into Wide Awake <laughs> and the that's uh a great song. we watched the part of me Grammy performance that's together true, that's and we true, were like that's what is true, this? That's true. And I and I think that watching Frank Ocean on Tumblr was very formative of our friendship.
1: Mm. Yes, and I would say Doing karaoke early in our friendship was a really big thing. Mm. So, like, music, obviously, like, song choice and, like, getting to know somebody's kind of, like, standards and having to hear them, like, over and over and over (laughs) again. Because, like, (laughs) the thing with karaoke is, like, nobody wants to, like, change it up. And if they do, it's, like, a huge leap and a huge, like, progression in their work or whatever. So, like, we never, like, we always had to hear each other sing the same songs. And I think what's really funny is our friendship as well as our friend group that did karaoke together... Everyone always sometimes brought up a lot of people brought new genre, new music that people didn't even know. Like the country girly is like you and mm-hmm. Kelly would always sing country songs that like no one knew. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big deal for everyone.
2: Yeah. And then you sang Melissa Etheridge songs that I'd never heard before <laughs> and Indigo Girls, you know, wow. and like, yeah, to- totally.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to ask, I mean, what are some of the go to karaoke songs?
1: Um, well, you've, I've fallen off karaoke a little bit, just I think like most things in my life, I, like, get really into something too into it. It becomes, like, trendy in a way, and then I have to back away because I, like, can't take it. So that happened with karaoke. (laughs) Also, I weirdly developed, like, um, stage fright, but that's a whole other thing. But um, for (laughs) me, it started with Four Non Blondes' What's Up, but then I realized that that was kind of a song everyone did, and I had to do something different. So then I started singing. I sang Melissa Etheridge. I sang that Shania Twain song, Bobby, a lot. What was it? that If You're Not It... If you're not in it for love if I'm out of here If you're not in it for
2: love I'm out of <laughs> here
0: Yeah Uh-oh, Of course yeah If you're not-
1: All of our friends went to go see Shania Twain do her Vegas residency. And that was one of the songs that she sang that I did not know, which was shocking because I thought I knew, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard in my whole life, which maybe that should be the song. And then uh, I started singing in a karaoke (laughs) and I was like, it is the best song I've ever heard in my whole life, even when I sing it. It's a great song. Bobby, what were your karaoke's?
2: Fleetwood Mac Gypsy is still my favorite karaoke song. I was really Mm -hmm. into early on in our friendship. I was really into... um, Sonique feels so good (laughs) I loved doing that I remember that and later as I grew older I got I've I've always liked the killers which is so embarrassing but like the killers have like become extremely important to me. And as I got older, I was very into um, not all these things that I've done. What's the When You Were Young? When You Were Young yeah. is a really great karaoke song. I love doing that.
1: That's like a selfish karaoke song. The first killer yeah. song you you mentioned is a very good like crowd song. Like I kind of went from yes, being into selfish it. karaoke to being into crowd pleasing karaoke because that's just the nature yeah. of karaoke. So I feel like there is a mm-hmm. huge difference, you know?
0: yeah. Well I'm I'm interested because you said that you're a little bit embarrassed to be really into the killers. Um, and one thing I was thinking about, so on your podcast, for anyone who doesn't listen, you talk about minor celebrities, D-list celebrities, so celebrities mm-hmm. you would call who's rather than them's. And a frequent subject of discussion is Rita Ora. And even as someone who's been listening to you guys talk about Rita Ora for years, I struggle to know exactly like what is the ratio on like genuine versus ironic enjoyment of, of Rita Ora. And and I guess just broader, I'm, I'm interested of like, how do you think about the distinction? Is there a distinction? I mean, whether you're enjoying something kind of tongue in cheek. I mean,
1: it's, it's. do I enjoy her as like a character? Like very much so. She's like my favorite celebrity now because like I appreciate her and I feel like she gives back. But as far as like a mm-hmm. musician, do I like listen to Rita Ora music regularly? Not Really, there are a few Rita Ora songs that are on my playlist, like my fun playlist, like for a party or whatever, like she fits right in there, especially like her newer dance stuff is like really fun. And sometimes like a vintage Mm -hmm. like Rita Ora could be fun, Mm -hmm. too. But in terms of like, 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 is she like in my top artists? Like, I love her. I stand like, no. And have I seen her live and been like, she's incredible? No, I saw her live and she was fine. Like, But you've
2: seen her live. <laughs> yeah, you've seen her live.
1: Right. <laughs> sure. Of course. Of course I've seen her live. Are you kidding? Yeah,
2: I feel the same way. I, of course. I'm more relieved when she releases music that I like than I am, like, standing. You know, like, because Rita Ora releases so many random singles. She always has. She right, was, like, a right. singles artist before her album came out. Like, iconically, her first album that came out of the United States was years and years and years and years and years after we started the podcast. You know, like, well, three years after we started the podcast, but still. So when she releases a new song and it's good, I'm surprised and I'm relieved and I'm rooting for her. When she releases a song... That's bad. That's actually rare. Most of her songs are Mm -hmm. just kind of forgettable.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, outside of Rita, is there a lot of overlap in your taste? Do you guys, you know, have very similar tastes? A lot of artists that you both love? I
2: think there's like a significant overlap in our musical Venn diagram, but I don't think it's by any means Mm -hmm. a circle. No,
0: not
1: at all. I
2: think there's a pretty nice, good overlap, but it's maybe... I would argue... You know, we have big chunks that are on the exterior. We
1: share more of a same taste in movies than we do in music. Yeah. Like, yeah. we did... um. That Spotify has that, like, where, where it mixes you and your friend, oh, yeah. like, into a playlist, which I think is an insane feature, by the way. <laughs> like, not good. And we did it. And, like, the, the playlist it. was, like, awful. You know, it didn't <laughs> gel. It, like, didn't it didn't go. It didn't mm-hmm. flow. It had all these crazy things that, like, a score that Bobby had been listening to over and over again. And, like, some <laughs> weird song that, like, I was... Listening. You know, it just it didn't work. And it just—we have uh-huh. pockets of things that are like certainly not overlapping. Like, and I'm trying to think of very of a specific kind of thing that you love that I really do not. <laughs>
2: like, I feel love. like I like a sad singer songwriter. more than that You love that girly
1: that talks. I don't like her. Why does she talk, so <laughs> Cassandra much? Jenkins? Yeah, why does she do I that? love
2: Cassandra Jenkins. You don't like her. You know, like I listen to a lot of Amy Mann. Lindsay does not. Right. You know, like no, our over, I don't. I'm looking at our at our Spotify playlist. We've got Sharon Van Etten overlap. We've got Phoebe Bridgers overlap. We've got the High Women overlap. We've got Pop overlap. You know, like Japanese Breakfast and Sky Ferreira and Muna, you know? Soccer Mm -hmm. Mommy were overlapping. But like, for the most part, it's like there's not, yeah, 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 it's just not
0: really happening. (laughs) But do you you go to a lot of shows together?
2: No.
1: I don't go to a lot of shows at all. Yeah, (laughs) I go to more
2: shows than Lindsay, and the shows that I go to, Lindsay would not want to go to. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, this is so obnoxious, but if I'm not like somehow in VIP where I can see, I'm 5'2", like I just can't see the show, like there's no point to me, for me, Mm -hmm. or if it's, you know, maybe at Barclays or something where it's more of a stadium where there's, it's better set up for short people, but otherwise, like, it's just impossible, and I- unfortunately, have that opinion. It feels very elderly to say that, but I think that's kind of the stage yeah. of life I'm in with live music.
0: Yeah, totally. I'm I'm honestly getting to a similar place with it. But with all of that in mind, let's talk about our song picks. And maybe, Bobby, we can start with you. What is the song that makes you scream, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life?
2: <sighs> Poncho and Lefty by Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard.
1: Oh, God. Oh, God. Poncho was a bandit boy.
2: It's actually a song by Towns Van Zant, and I don't like that song, but like this is a song that's like very much like my childhood. This is probably the first song that I can remember being like, what is this to my dad? Because my dad played it all the time. That's cute. I thought it was just the coolest song I'd ever heard. It's on like plenty of, you know, music people lists of best songs of all time or whatever. So I know that it's not, like, a unique thing, but still, like, I think that that might explain one of the reasons why it's so special to me. Just, like, that's why my dad liked it. My dad wasn't a music guy. My dad loved the song because it was really popular. And, like, it spoke to him. And so that was one of the songs that he loved. So Bobby,
1: what's this song about?
2: The song is about... It's not about... (laughs) Sorry, I'm doing your job. (laughs) oh, Oh, please, please. It's not about Pancho Villa. It's not about anyone real it's about, like, a white man from Texas going into Mexico to, like, see if he can live there. Like, see if he can get rich. And then he makes a friend with, the, like, a local Mexican guy named Poncho and their buds. And he basically, like, sells him out. And wow, then Lefty goes back to the United States and is, like, miserable for the rest of his right. life. It's kind of a tragedy. And I'm from Texas, so there's just, like, I don't know. It's almost like a break from the mythology of Texas, too. Like, it's, it's a realistic portrayal. It's like, no, like, Texas isn't amazing. Like, Texas-Mexico relations aren't, like, what you think they are based on the Alamo. Like, a lot of the people from Texas suck. I don't know. As I grew older and really started thinking about the song, I was like, oh, it's not just, like, a fun song to listen to. Like, there's some, like, really, like, Mm -hmm. kind of heavy poetry in this, and um, I like it as a tragedy.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting.
2: And I like the duet, because Merle Haggard kind of comes in late, and he just has this, like, like Willie Nelson has this like happy country voice that everyone recognizes and it's like nasally and weird and mm-hmm. he sounds like nice and then Merle Haggard sounds like he's dying and I like that he comes in late and it's a completely different vibe and you're like oh this song is so sad yeah he's dead and then now Lefty's in like Ohio miserable you <laughs> right. know but it's not it's a fun song to <laughs> listen to though you know that's what I'm saying like I could karaoke this and have a good time right. it has
0: a very like sing songy yeah right. Right. right yeah all the Say
1: could have had him any day. We only let him slip away. I
2: don't know. It reminds me of good times as a kid. It reminds me of of places I like. That's all.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's- I mean, this is a very personal choice that people make. So that makes sense. That it's, you know, just reminds you of like growing up with your dad and listening to music. Yeah. Okay, so so Lindsay. What about you? What is the song that makes you scream this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life? (laughs) Okay,
1: so I sent you three. I don't really have like an all-time fave song. I feel like I have songs that I really like. I gave you kind of a good spread of my taste. I'm going to go with, I think Bobby went the country route and I didn't really grow up on country music and so I'm going to go with the Carole King. Will you, well, technically it's Will You Love Me Tomorrow by Carole King or by the Shirelles. I guess they sang it first, although she wrote it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But A lot of people say, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? since that's the chorus, and I think both are acceptable from Mm -hmm. what I've read. Like, Tapestry was the first album that my dad, like, gave me that was, like, an adult giving an adult music or whatever. Like, that stuff that I without him kind of impressing his own taste on me it was more just like oh I think you'd like this and I obviously loved it and I also think like iconic Jewish girly songwriter (laughs) has an incredible history and I would argue that I probably heard the Carol King version first as kind of a kid but then maybe heard one of the many many covers that like revitalized it for me as an adult maybe like the Amy Mm -hmm. Winehouse maybe the Cher one like they're just it's been covered like 14,000 times you know and that I think is like it has like a gorgeous meaning. It's relatable. It's sweet. It's adaptable. I just, I think it's a perfect, I think it's a perfect song.
0: Yeah. I find the, I mean, Tapestry, obviously like such an incredible album. I feel like we all have that similar, like we grew up listening to that with our parents and everything, but it's so interesting because it feels so early seventies, like when it came out, Mm -hmm. but also like you were just saying, like so many of these songs were written for other people a decade earlier that, you know, it's so interesting how she was able to like. Just through the arrangement and her vocal aesthetic, make it feel so mm-hmm. early '70s when these songs like existed in a completely different form. Right, uh, it, earlier, like, you know,
1: it charted with the Shirelles, so it was like such a girl group song. But then every single cover of it since has felt different. And I love a song that is like so is able to kind of adapt with the times and still is kind of an iconic song in its own right. Like Phoebe Bridgers could sing this tomorrow and like release it, and a bunch of Gen Z kids, <laughs> oh would my be god, like, you're right! Wow, this is the best song I've ever heard <laughs> right. in my whole life. And it's like, yeah, bitch, it was also great in the '60s you know it was, it's was. it been great for forever yeah. and to me that's like not that many songs could be kind of revitalized in that in that way without much effort you know right
0: right well I mean Phoebe Bridgers did do the the Carpenter song for oh, the Minions of Rise of Gru soundtrack which is now the <laughs> second time on this podcast I've mentioned the Minions Rise of Gru soundtrack I heard it was good the soundtrack mu- the soundtrack, I heard it the was soundtrack <laughs> it kicks ass I mean it really it really does but Carol King, Carol King.
1: The people who covered this song all have such good songs that it shows how good this song is. You know what I mean? Like when you go through, like Lauryn Hill covered it, you know, like Licky Lee covered it, Amy Winehouse, it shows how good the bones of the song are, which is funny because, like, you know, I saw the Carol King musical with my mom when she was in town many years ago. And it's all about, you know, them writing these perfect songs that are structurally, you know, kind of just the ideal of song and it's like it is it's structurally perfect it's a perfect song
0: well yeah absolutely beautiful pick great choice i did want to just ask because you sort of referenced it in the three songs you had sent as options two of which i sort of like oh yeah that makes sense this, this carol king one and then the other was was shiza by lady gaga the third one a sammy kershaw song called national working women's holiday said, oh, well, if Bobby's doing a country song, I can't also do a country song. But, but you know, I'm just curious, why? Why not two country songs? Yeah, why not two?
1: Country's kind of Bobby's thing. It doesn't really represent my kind of like origin story I've come to country later in life you know through friends and through like liking music more and hearing more country music I just like didn't hear a lot of country music when I was little and like this song is just so funny and good and it has like everything in a country song I like which is like a tongue-in-cheek but kind of like weirdly respectful vibe Mm -hmm. but also kind of a joke (laughs) and also a guy I've never heard of Sammy Kershaw who's like you know just out of out of nowhere this song a friend put on a playlist for me and I just like cracked up and then was like, wait, this is so funny. And also the song is so good. Like, that's the (laughs) problem. It's like with country music, it's like you're laughing, but you're like, this is the best song I've ever Mm -hmm. heard in my life. But why am I? um, But the lyrics are absolutely ridiculous. This one's like, you know, women should take a holiday for being a woman. And it's like, okay, okay, (laughs) bitch, Right.
0: Right. It's like,
1: it's, it's like, tell your boss you're taking off Friday for national working women's holiday. And it's like, because you work so hard doing all this bullshit for yeah, me. Yeah, you it's know his what I mean? Like for I as <laughs> <is> your husband.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's that so, is so good.
1: fucking funny and such a good song. And that's what I love about country music is that it manages to be tongue in cheek, silly, but also a lot of the time, but also like genuinely good. You can't escape how good it is.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for joining us and talking to us about these songs and so many other things. Bobby, you also have a book that's just about to come out. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about
2: that? Yeah, it's a it's a novel. It comes out in September, September twentieth. It's about some old ladies in Texas and secrets and gay Ooh. people and um, it's fun. There's not really any. Mu- There's a there, "Stand by Your Man" is featured in this book, and that's a great song. Nice. And it's called "The Old Place." The Old Place, September twentieth.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much. And so where can people find you both online and listen to the podcast and everything else?
1: You can search Who Weekly on any podcast platform and click play. There you go. go. (laughs) There we are.
0: It's beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much again and uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was great. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and uh, share it with a friend or an enemy. You can follow us on social media at Great Song Pod, that's GR number 8 Song Pod, on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. Special thanks to Skylar Spence, whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, to Catherine and Izzy, who helped co-produce the show, and to you for listening. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you next time.